This morning, I really would like to talk to you about Terry. Terry kind of, um, yeah, Terry, he's such a person to talk about. You know, I don't know why we put up with Terry. Nah, nah, he's a blessing. But anyway, Terry was saying to me this morning what he was going to talk about, you know, through the scripture and the, about that aspect of light shining through what you do. If you are a Christian, if you say Jesus is your Lord, then there is this incredible opportunity with your life to display life, uh, light through what you do, through your good works. So this morning I want to talk to you about um, your good works, and I've entitled my message, Good Can Get You Weary. Good can get you weary. Now we have a high percentage of people who help and work and are so strongly involved in our church. We are really, really blessed with all the effort that so many of you put in. But one of the challenges when you're trying to do good is that weariness can sneak up. Even around this time of the year, Christmas, you know, people are getting towards the end of the year and uh, you get tired. True? So I want to talk to you about... um, Weariness and it and it that it is an enemy to trying to do good. Rightio. So if you have a Bible, um, Galatians chapter six, uh, seven through to ten. Galatians chapter six, seven through to ten. In the NIV version, verse seven: Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Amen. Reaps what he sows, verse 8. And whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So I want you to note a couple of things here. Don't be deceived. Sowing and reaping is involved in this principle. Doing good is involved in this principle. And weariness. And also doing good that can produce a harvest. Doing good with your life that can produce a harvest. We live in an, in an agricultural area. We see farmers who sow seeds that probably would be contained in a sack. But then we watch when harvest comes that truckloads of produce are produced by a sack of seeds. You see, so good is this capacity to be a seed that may be seen small, but as it is allowed time, it can produce a harvest or a truckload of produce. Pretty exciting. The power of good. And we also understand that good is related for the Christian to light. If you are a Christian, you have this capacity or this seed possibility of good that can produce a harvest, an amazing thing. But there is a thing that we are in danger of called weariness. So 
I want to read to you the verse before um, Paul who said this in verse 6. So can you flick up verse 6 in the New King James? Notice what it says here. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Now, this is not about you sharing with those who teach you, although it is in the Bible, so it's a good thing to do. But notice the aspect of the word sharing the good. See, how many people here this morning can say and identify with the fact that your relationship with God has produced good in your life? How many here can say that when I met Jesus, my life was turned around and I have had so much good happening in my life? Can we have a little wave, an acknowledgement of we have good going on because of this King of Kings? But note that Paul is saying about this aspect of sharing the good, passing it on, giving it over to others, not being someone that just takes from God, but someone who then is willing to share the good. Share the good. Interestingly enough, I was thinking this morning about how we as a church share the good, even when it comes to those who teach. We have, uh, as a church, we have about eight people who are either paid a day or some way, shape or form, paid by our church here, you know, um, Ignite in Australia. But also flick it across over to Uganda that we actually, we don't call it wages with the guys over there, but we actually give allowances to more than eight or nine pastors who are leading churches that enable them to put food on their table. You see, we share the good. And see, what you give us enables us to share the good through all the things that we do, through community connections. We share the good. But here's the thing. Are you sharing the good? What aspect or evidence of light being involved in your life is about you sharing the good? Because here's a sad truth. If you're not sharing the good, there's a question about Is there light in your life? Is the light of the world living in you? Because if he is, there is an outworking of you sharing the good, sharing the light. With me? Rightio. You can meditate on blessing those who teach you as well. It's a good thing. Just being cheeky. Um, Matthew 5.16. Terry use the scripture and we are not in collusion it's the Holy Spirit Matthew 5 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven note the correlation with light and good note the correlation with you honoring and glorifying God by you Sharing good, that light is emitted by the good you do as a Christian. Quite amazing. And the result is that God is glorified. My encouragement to you this morning is ask yourself is there evidence of good? Are other lives better because you exist on the planet? Because God is glorified when you do that. Hallelujah. It's a good thing. It's your choice. Uh, You make the choice. You can hear us encourage you. But the truth is, 
You have to make the choice to become or continue in sharing the good that God has done in your life. Um, It says God is not mocked in this scripture. You see, here's the thing. Lots of Christians can come to church. Lots of Christians can pretend and can, you know, yeah, I go to church, but you can't trick God. You can't mock God. God is aware of what you do with your life. God is aware if you are indeed a person who is producing good. And in fact, at the end of our journeys, we will stand before the master and he will say, you know, how'd you go? Well done? Or maybe not. Good works. Glorify God. Here's the other thing about, you'll notice in those scriptures, is that this thing called sowing and reaping. What a man sows, and a woman, that will he or she reap. If If you sow to the flesh, the carnal, the natural, then that's the area where you will reap from. That's where your truckload of harvest from your sack of seeds will be evident around your life. If you sow to the dark side of the force, you will reap a multitude of a harvest of that darkness. Because that's the principle of sowing and reaping. Because it's a principle designed by the creator of the universe. You can't not have that happen. You can't trick God because what you sow is going to reap. If life is chaotic and maybe you're reaping some stuff in your life because you've sown in the wrong place. Do you understand? But here's the cool thing. And this is the thing I want to focus on this morning for you and I, is this potential to sow good to the point where there is truckloads of harvest truckloads of harvest, that the harvest is so great you can't fit it in your truck, that you need more trucks. Because you use your seed and potential to sow good. Hallelujah. This is a yellow envelope. Note the yellow envelope. On Thursday morning, Teresa came to my office and she said, Dad, there was a yellow envelope. In our offering, what do I do with the yellow envelope? Well, Jerusha opened the yellow envelope. Anyway, she said, what's the story? And I want to use this as an illustration of the power of sowing good and of how you can, remember, it's talking about the capacity of a seed and a seed can be harvested into something quite larger than it's how it started. So this is an envelope. That is the result of Ken, Ken Baba. Ken Baba went to Pekka about a month ago in my recollection and said, Pekka, I want to help and do something to help. I don't have large amounts of finance, but I've come up with an idea, an idea. Who loves ideas? So the idea was that he would, he said, do we have any old shoes? Can we find old shoes? Because what I want to do is with the shoe, I want to put a plant in it and then sell the shoe with the plant in it. Right? Good idea. And I wanted to donate the money to Uganda. Good idea. So he proceeded to carry on doing that. And uh, the result was what was in the envelope. 
Now, this is an ongoing thing, and you will have an opportunity as we get closer to Christmas to buy shoes and a, pl- a plant and a shoe. But here's the point: there was twenty bucks in it. Twenty bucks. Twenty dollar note in this envelope. Hallelujah. <clears throat> But here I want you to understand a principle of the power of a $20 note and an envelope. You see, that $20 envelope or that $20 bill, when translated going to Uganda, will help the recipient. I'll explain to you how that could possibly be. 20 bucks. So we work in what's described as sub-Sahara Africa as part of the things that we want to do. The other thing I want to tell you about the, just real quick is, you know, um, Diane and uh, Wolfgang actually come from Cobram. They come from the Cobram Church. They represent the Cobram Church on the mission field in Thailand. And they have given you and I, and they represent us as Ignite, how privileged we are to have missionaries. You know, 10 bucks buys a blanket. I encourage you, consider that. Anyway, the $20. So we work in... Uh, East Africa, but basically in Uganda, which is described as sub-Sahara Africa. It's below the Sahara. Uh, many of the poor, 40% of the world's um, population that live is what, dis- is what is described as extreme poverty. So 40% of the population of sub-Sahara Africa live at the extreme poverty line. We, and where we work with in Uganda, uh, the contents or the, or the percentage of people who are living below the extreme poverty line and the people we work with would be probably around 90%, I would say. So here's 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Sowing good. Light. Glorify God. Harvest. That $20 will do this, possibly. Depends what we decide to do with it. Um, it will pay for a term of one of the children that we educate, right, who would not be educated. It costs us $18 a term to educate children at our school. It could buy one shoe for one of the children. We just need another 20 to get the other shoe. So a child can be educated through a plant in a pot that someone bought, or how many did you you sell to get the 20 bucks? Three. Seven bucks, six dollars, fifty. Three for twenty. What a win. You're generous. I would have charged way more than that. Anyway, no, I wouldn't. What else can it do? Remember, there are people, so the extreme poverty line is measured, used to be a dollar a day, now it's measured by a dollar ninety-eight because of inflation. So against the US dollar, a dollar ninety-eight. Uh, extreme poverty, they live below that, that's how much they'll get, uh, less than that per day. So I can give that 20 bucks to a mum with children who is living at extreme poverty or below the poverty line and feed her and her children for up to a week, 10 days almost, with 20 bucks. You see, can you note that there's something going on called the harvest of good? It's 20 bucks worth of harvest of good. 20 bucks. Some of you go to McDonald's and spend 25 bucks. True? Guilty faces. 
Some of you looked like you were spending 50 bucks there. Anyway. But I want to further you to understand what this 20 bucks and the harvest of good. You see, good is multiplied. Good is multiplied. Now, I know the team that works in Uganda who run our school, who always are struggling to look to how to pay for the fees of a child who can't afford them, will be able to say, well, that's a child covered. So they will be praising God and saying, thank you, Jesus, for the 20 bucks that came from Australia, from a pot, uh, a shoe, and a plant, plant shoe. So the good is starting to grow and grow. It could grow with the mom and the kids. But here's the other thing. That envelope touched my heart. It touched my heart on Thursday and it made me weep. 20 bucks made Keith weep. I wept because of the investment this man made, of what I can do with it and the need that we deal with in Uganda. Nicole and I, not long after Jerusha talked to me, she came up to my office and we began to discuss the capacity or the possibility and how it might look the child sponsorship. And I said to Nicole, the envelope. And lo and behold, I got emotional and got teary-eyed in front of Nicole. It was terrible. I could hardly talk. <laughs> 20 bucks softened my heart in a new and a fresh way. You see, your good deed has the capacity to bring a harvest. It has a harvest because it will change the life of whoever the recipient is of your good deed. It will also encourage those of you around who are trying to help the others in good deeds. Because the power of your testimony of the good multiplies the harvest. How cool is that? A harvest of good. Who wants to be in the harvest of good? I'm not just, I'm not pushing Africa. I'm pushing Australia. I'm pushing Yarrawonga. I'm pushing Cobram. I'm pushing the need for good to flow across this planet because this world needs a harvest of good like never before. Like never before. Think about this. Terry works in the finance area. So does Jerusha, so does Karen. And we have an economy based on people spending money, right? That's what promotes the economy. When people spend their money, it creates an economy that flows on. On and on, you know, you buy something, it creates wealth for the company that made it, it pays the wages of whomever, whomever. it goes to taxes, and the taxes pay for our education and our hospitals. You see, an economy is built on a whole lot of stuff. And I want you to start to meditate and consider the economy of good that we can create as a group of people. If we can participate And we all continue or start to look for the good that we need to do. Man, we can change the world. That's why Jesus compared your good to light. 
Because light is so powerful, it dispels darkness. Amen? See, I am excited about the potential for us at Ignite and for you as an individual about what this economy of good, of what this harvest of good could be for you. You know, we have a a multi, we have an economy already going on in our church of many of you are participating in the economy of good. You, your lives and all the wonderful things you do amaze me and overwhelm me, you know, of what is already going on and what we're already doing. But I think to myself, there is so much more, so much more. Good, it's just good. Amen. Who's king? Who wants to do more good? We have three. That's good. They tell me I can really motivate people. I've got three. Three today. Who's keen on doing more good? Give me a shout, will you? Hallelujah. There'll be a list of jobs sent out to you from the church. No. Now, here's the problem for you and I who are trying to do good, for you and I who have met with this Jesus Christ who has shared the good of heaven to us, and as we participate in doing good, there is a thing that is a dangerous thing called weariness. See, weariness is an interesting thing. And in the scripture it says, beware, don't stop doing good because of weariness. Let's read it again. Verse 9 in the, New King, in the New King James. And let us not, let us not, it means don't, grow weary while doing good. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in the season, for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Ray is a farmer. Farmers farm. Farming is a process that runs through seasons of, and it's, it's the same with cropping. It's you plant it, you care for it, but there's a season or there's a time before you harvest, true? See, don't give up. Don't grow weary while you're doing good. Now, it's interesting. I've been doing this thing. I've been involved with church leadership for like cracking almost 40 years in some shape or form. And I've got to be honest with you. If I were to try and count the number of times in my life where I have weariness has grown in my heart, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you how many times I wanted to give up. I couldn't tell you how many times I just felt weary. Now, here's the crazy thing. You need to understand weariness is different to tiredness. Tiredness is a result of your exertion through your day. And that's why we are meant to have eight hours sleep because you do your thing through the day, 16 hours of output, and then eight hours of rest is supposed to cure tiredness. The older you get the more tired you can feel. True? Hallelujah. But weariness 
is not tiredness, my friends. Weariness is something else because you're allowed to get tired. You're you're allowed to feel tired because that's what happens from effort and output. But weariness, the Bible says, do not let, do not get weary in doing good. So this isn't tiredness. I want you to understand what weariness means. Weariness. Feeling or showing extreme tiredness. This is a um, dictionary exhaustion. It's the next level beyond tiredness. It's when you go to sleep and you wake up and you still feel weak and still feel tired. So weariness is not tiredness. Weariness is the next way, way past tiredness. Now the biblical, or in this particular text, what it means is to lose heart, to faint, to become weak, to be discouraged, to give up. So here's thinking, let's think about it. And I've got to tell you, I know, I know, and I know many of you, I'm not the only one that gets weary. Or am I? Am I? Weariness is the enemy of doing good. I am so amazed at the, at the service of so many of you who have for many, many years done tasks and service of good. And I know that there has been a challenge of weariness. Man, we've been through 18, 19 months of COVID that has caused us as a church to have moments of stress. That's why I pulled the pin on the Christmas, uh, Christmas down at the park because, man, nah, nah. It's not going to bring, it's too hard on everybody. See, weariness is very dangerous. Because weariness, if you let it, note the word it said, do not let weariness grow. Remember the seed thing? A seed is where something starts to grow. What you sow, you reap. Weariness starts somewhere. Weariness begins in your task of doing good for a number of reasons. Where you will start to feel, and maybe you'll say some things. I've got some things written down here. Discouragement. These are the things I, I say or say in my head when I'm feeling discouraged. And, and this is not about me, it's about you. I'm talking to you, you understand? But I'm using me as an example, right? It's not whoa, whoa, boo-hoo, Keith. Discouragement. You might be saying something, what I do isn't worth it. I'm sick of the hassle and flack. I take. Nobody cares or sees what I do. What I do just gets taken for granted. Remember, seed, seed starts from somewhere. It's the beginning of this problem of weariness, which is an enemy to doing good, which shine light, which then glorify God. You might say, you know, exhaustion, which is extreme tiredness. I just get so tired. It's like I can hardly do this thing anymore. I'm so tired of all the complaints. I can't deal with this anymore. That's a state of spiritual exhaustion. That's why there's a heap of people who fall into the burnout issue. Are you guys with us? 
Lose heart. Losing your heart. I've just lost heart. I don't feel it anymore. I don't feel the compassion or the love of those I'm trying to help anymore. I just don't feel it anymore. I feel so heavy and empty when it comes to this task of doing good. I just don't feel enthusiastic anymore. Can I, give, can I, can I have a wave if you've felt some of this stuff? Do not grow weary in doing good. It's not me. It's what Jesus and it's what the Apostle Paul, and I want you to note something what Paul says here. Note what Paul says in that scripture. Let us not. Let us not. It's not like, hey, you. It's us. Us is us. Us is you all. Us is the church community. Us is us who are the light together. And even Paul, the great apostle, was considered in the us. Because imagine being him. Imagine the weariness. I'm sick of getting stoned. And I'm not talking about marijuana. I'm over everybody telling me that I'm a scum whatever. But he is saying, let us, let me and you, let us as a team, let us as the community who are the light of the world, as Terry said, not grow weary. I'll tell you what else. People can annoy you in what you're trying to do. Those who are doing the task with you can annoy you. I mean, you guys, I know you get annoyed at me. Look at your faces. Let us not grow weary. Hallelujah. We are not on a losing team. We are not on a team that's meant to be burning out and living in the, I just wish I didn't do this anymore. We are the light of the world. We are the representation of Jesus on this planet, my friends. We are the light that is shining in a dark world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a warning, my friends, to us to be careful about weariness, to be careful about losing heart, to be careful about living in discouragement, to be careful about giving up. There is a long list of lines of Christians who have given up. There, is a, there are more who give up than continue because of this weariness that overwhelms, that just takes away the possibility of good. Pastors. It's, again, an example. Uh, uh, in my, um, what do you call it, when I'm, when I'm chasing up all the stuff in regards to this, I thought I'll cue in pastors. You know, and uh, I printed off, which I'm going to give to all our pastors when we meet on next Friday, the stats. Pastors who start off in the ministry with the intent of, I'm going to do this for my life. I'm going to serve Jesus for my life. 90% never get to the end. 90% of the pastors who are trying to do good give up, my friends. And I've got to tell you, I have seen and deal with the evidence of that on a continual basis. 
and the things I get involved with. Friends, dear and close to me, that because of this problem have given up and have become part of the 90% statistic. Because they forgot to not grow weary in doing good. Because things happened to them that caused them to get discouraged and to give up. I don't want you guys to give up. I don't want to give up. Hallelujah, there are answers. Would you like to know an answer? It's your lucky day. Can I tell you, this is the stuff that I'm going to talk about that has kept me doing this thing. That has kept me devoting my life when Pekka and I first got saved. Where is she over there? When her and I first got saved, we were dumb enough to say, man, this is going to be an all or nothing life. And man, we, we try to keep in the all, but no, it's going like, you know, oh, oh, oh. But this stuff is what kept us in this space. If you have a Bible. Oh, sheets. Have we got five more minutes? Isaiah 40, 31. Isaiah 40, 31. A lot of people love this scripture. It's a great scripture. You've got to understand Isaiah wrote this. You've got to understand who wrote this. You've got to understand that Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 was a man that encountered the Spirit of God. That Isaiah in chapter 6 sees God in his glory. And he hears the Spirit of God say to Isaiah, Isaiah, who can go for us? And Isaiah puts his hand up and says, God, I will go with you. This is Isaiah 6. And here's a bit further down the track. Something that Isaiah was trying to tell people that he himself had to learn. Isaiah 40, 40, uh, 40, 31. But those, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those that wait upon the Lord You see, waiting is an incredibly important thing for you if you're on the service of good. Because in the service of good, you can get caught up in the doing and forget about the waiting. Because you get so wanting to do, and then you expand the energy, and you use up what you got when you first used to wait, but then you don't wait so much because you've been doing too much, and you're feeling discouraged, and you stop waiting, and your strength doesn't get renewed. See, here's the point. Waiting is not running ahead, my friends. I have to wait when I got married. I had to wait because I'm a guy, gone. Terry's looking at me saying, yeah, I feel it, Keith. (laughs) You know, I have had to learn to wait. Wait when we got married because wives don't travel at the speed we do. Wait because then we had children and it was like put all the paraphernalia in the car. You know, the nappies and the this and the this and this. And it's like, me, I just to chuck it in the car and people to come out going. And she, and she would repack it. And we'd be chewing up more time. Here's the thing about God. Waiting on God is the absolute essential for those who want longevity and doing good. Waiting on the Lord is essential to those who want longevity and doing good. Because when you wait, 
You're not waiting. You're not waiting for um, a thing. You're waiting for a person. You're waiting for the person of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who we serve. See, when you wait, you're waiting for the person of Jesus and meet with him. You're waiting for the King of Kings to breathe his life from his very presence and fill your body again. Hallelujah. There's heaps more, but that's that. Because we've gone five minutes past. Friends, do not grow faint in doing good. Do not let the voice of discouragement, do not let the voice, sometimes when you wake, God says it's time to do something else as well. You've got to tell you that. Sometimes you do things for a season, but then you've got to go go back and wait because it's time to change doing that because you've got something even more for you. You see, sometimes it gets hard because God's trying to get you to know, no, 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 it's time for a change. I've got something cool for you. But if you don't wait, you'll keep doing something that maybe time has run out on. And I'm not saying that's the case, but sometimes it has been for me. Hallelujah. Renew your strength. In the book of Acts in chapter 4, Jesus instructing the men who would go on and take the kingdom message to the world around him said, wait in Jerusalem first and you will receive. And I'll finish with that. Father, we thank you. You know, God, serving you is not something that is an obligation that... It is something of a privilege to serve you because you are the King of Kings. As you are the one that has poured good in all our lives. And God, you are wanting us as a church and us as individuals to continue the journey of pouring out the good you so graciously pour into us. I pray, Holy Spirit, this morning that those that are listening through the stream and those that are here this morning, that would there become a new sense of waiting, of getting on those knees, and meeting the person of Jesus. Holy Spirit, do your work. Touch hearts and lives. Bring new freshness and fullness and power and strength. In Jesus' name, amen.